Black Guys to Aesthetically Displeasing, where we talk about all things spooky, stupid, and displeasing. Um, today is my turn. <clears throat> today. So Melanie and I actually like get together and, and do a, a couple of them um, at the same time. So it's the, it's the same day. <laughs> but today when you're listening to it, uh, it's my case. And I am talking about the Hart family murders. I'm ready. Are you ready? Okay. I chose this one because um, I didn't really, I listened to a whole like podcast documentary on it, but I've never heard a single episode on it. Oh. And it's Gotta a lot. Gotta be a trendsetter. I know, right? Um, so we'll jump right into it. Um, on March 26th, 2018. Uh, 2018? Oh, yeah. Isn't this weird? Okay, I definitely haven't heard of this before then. Okay. A German tourist noticed a Yukon upside down on a cliff off of California State Route 1 in, mm, I should have looked this up, Mendocino, Mendocino, M-E-N-D-O-C-I-N-O, county? Okay. <clears throat> in Mendocino. California. <laughs> in California. And he called 911 to report the crash. Near the crash, seven bodies were found. Jennifer and Sarah Hart were inside the vehicle, and three of their children, Marcus, who was 19, Jeremiah, who was 14, and Abigail, who was 14, were found outside of the vehicle. It was determined that the vehicle had been in the water for several hours prior to being found. Three of the Hart children were missing, however. Devante, which, who was 15, Hannah, who was 16, and Sierra, who was 12. Friends of the Hearts were shocked. They described Sarah and Jen as caring parents who devoted their lives to raising six children in a socially conscious atmosphere. Just to let you know, like, they're adopted okay. children. The... This is June. Okay. <laughs> we recorded Robert the Doll, and now we're hearing a bunch of bangs. Uh... The Hart family was known to focus on love and acceptance, and people even referred to them as the Hart tribe due to their tight bond. Aww. But was this actually the case? So Jennifer and Sarah met while both attending Northern State University in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Jen was known as being like the dominant one with a big personality. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to explain that in a second. While Sarah was sensitive and passive. And, like, when I say dominant, I don't mean, like, the man in the relationship. And I really hate when that yes. is used because, like, you're trying to put heteronormative values yes, on a yes. homosexual relationship. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but she, was, she always liked to be in control. She didn't mind speaking up, speaking, like, her mind. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's what I mean by dominant. They both majored in elementary education, while Sarah studied studies focused around special education. Aww. Sarah graduated in 2002, and Jennifer left with her without finishing school. Okay. And Jennifer's the more passive one? No. Oh, okay. Sarah's the oh, passive okay. one. Jen's the... Jennifer Jen is mm -hmm. the dominant okay. one. And she left without finishing her degree? Correct. Okay. Yeah. And so they, Sarah graduated in 2002, um, and they stayed in the area for a little bit. But then in 2004, the couple moved to Alexandria, Minnesota, where they both worked in this, like, department store. 
while living in Minnesota, the couple came out because mm-hmm. in college they were just saying, like, they were roommates, oh, they were friends. They were roommates. They were roommates. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they came out in Minnesota, and Jen actually stated that they lost um, friends that, quote, the Midwestern mindset was relentlessly unforgiving and unaccepting. Oh, God. Yeah. Horrible. During 2004... They were foster parents to a 15-year-old girl. The girl stated that Sarah and Jen had plans to adopt three more children and would often tell her that she was going to be a big sister. Co-workers had stated that the couple would openly complain about the girl, but I don't know if this was like, you know, like harmless. They have a teenage girl. Yeah. I don't know if it was like harmless venting or if it was something more extreme. There wasn't really like any more details on it. I'm sure our mothers complained about us when we were 15. Oh, I'm sure. I was a pretty well-behaved child, but... Of course you were. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, weeks before the couple was set to have the three additional children arrive at their house, they dropped the girl off at a therapist's office. And during this session, the therapist informed the girl that the hearts were not coming back for her. Excuse me? Yeah, she never saw Jen or Sarah again. They didn't even say goodbye to her? Nope, they just dropped her off. That's horrible. Yep. Just an aside, um, in 2005, Sarah had her last name changed to match Jennifer's. And this is really weird because, like, it wasn't legal to marry whoever you wanted, which Mm -hmm. is just, like, I know that's so recent, but that's so crazy. Yes. Us as a society has just recently begun to accept homosexuality, which we don't do a great job of it as a society. Um, So on March 4th, 2006, three children were placed into Jen and Sarah's uh, care. Abigail, who was two, Hannah, who was four, and Marcus, who was seven. So they just replaced the 15-year-old with younger, cuter kids. Yeah. And they were foster parents to the the 15-year-old. They weren't like... Yeah. They weren't like... They talked like they were going to adopt her. Mm-hmm. They ended up not. I don't know why. Um, But there was, like, never any reports from her that, like... they She just dropped him off. Like, she, yeah. this girl did not have any clue that something was wrong. That's horrible. Which is even worse, yeah. Um, so, these kids uh, were adopted later in the year in september from colorado county in texas at this time jennifer became a stay-at-home mom while sarah continued to work in the department store as a manager which i i know it's not weird uh to not use your degree but i i find it weird that she wasn't doing any anything with her special education degree yeah so because sarah was the one that actually ended up Mm -hmm. graduating i know that is surprising But I guess I don't know, like, do you know if you have to get a teacher's license in every state? Like, you have to apply and pass a test, right? What did you have to yeah. do? Yeah. Um, well, I applied while... What are your credentials? I have two teaching licenses. <laughs> um, no, but when I was in college, that was one of our things, like, when everyone else was applying to graduate, we were also applying to the state of Illinois to get our licenses, and so we had to basically just have the university sign off and then we went and took our content exams so if she never went to take her content exams 
she may have graduated with a teaching degree, but not able to actually, actually I was going to say teach. practice, but we're not doctors. Oh. Practice our teaching. But you are teaching our next generation. Teachers are so underpaid and undervalued. Thank I appreciate you. you, Melanie. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so in June of 2008, they adopted three more children. Sierra, who was three, Jeremiah, who was four, and Devante, who was five, They're from Houston. All little. Little, yeah. It still, like, is rubbing me the wrong way that they had this teenager who was seemingly happy in their home, and then they mm-hmm. got rid of her and then adopted. Like, not that little children shouldn't be adopted, but it's already so hard for teenagers to find foster homes. Right. And these, these like, kids were all siblings Mm -hmm. of like the three set and the three set were all siblings um so just to recap they now have six children ranging from three to nine years old all under the age of 10 yeah that's a that's a lot that is um i couldn't find anything for the history of like abigail hannah and marcus's previous home Mm -hmm. there there was an article that i wasn't able to like dive into uh that was kind of from their mom's point of view and like you know all about how you know she lost custody of her kids yes. but then like they ended up dying and oh my gosh yeah i can't i cannot imagine but i did find stuff about sierra Devante, and jeremiah's previous situation yeah so they actually had an additional brother dante who was not adopted due to behavior issues. Are you serious? Yeah. Their biological mom was named uh, Sherry Hurd. Um, She struggled with substance abuse. So when Jeremiah was born, he was born with cocaine in his system in 2004. And Mm. then Hurd tested positive with cocaine after Sierra was born in 2005. So she ended up losing custody Mm -hmm. and the children were placed in a foster home. And then in 2006, they were sent to live with their paternal aunt, Priscilla Celestine. Um, The children were not supposed to have any contact with their mom, their biological mom. Mm -hmm. Um, But the caseworker ended up making a surprise visit to the home and found that Sherry was babysitting while Priscilla was working. Oh, no. So the kids were immediately removed from the aunt's care and... The court would not let her obtain permanent custody of the kids. Um, Priscilla even tried to appeal the decision, but it was denied. So that's just like a little aside. While the family was living in Minnesota, a teacher saw bruises on Hannah's arm in September of 2008. When the teacher talked to her about it, Hannah said that she was hit by Jennifer with a belt. Oh my God. Yeah. Months after the teacher talked to... um, Hannah, all six kids were pulled out of school for one year. Of course they were. Mm -hmm. Then in November of 2010, Abigail's teacher um, alerted authorities after noticing signs of abuse, which like I don't know specifically what she saw. Mm -hmm. Um, But when the investigators interviewed the children, Abigail stated that Jennifer held her head under cold water and had punched her. Oh, my God. Why would... Why would Jennifer do this? You yeah. What like what did Abigail do what that prompted was so this? wrong? She thought Abigail had stole a penny that she found on Are her. Are you kidding me? Yeah. 
punched her and held her head under cold water for yep. a penny. A penny that she found on um, Abigail. Oh, my God. It's not like she found her digging in her purse. Yeah, she wasn't taking money out of her wallet. Right. She just had a penny on her. Oh, my god! And Jen figured that she stole it. So then the other kids were in, investigated, and they said that they were spanked constantly, deprived of food, oh and then god. grounded. I mean, like, I think everyone's grounded. But I don't yeah. think this was a normal yeah, grounding. Yeah, it's probably sent to their room for hours. Right. When they interviewed Sarah and Jennifer, Sarah ended up taking all of the blame. She was convicted of a misdemeanor of domestic assault and sentenced to probation and one year of community service. After this instance, Jennifer and Sarah pulled their kids out of school for good. No blame. Mm -hmm. That's not suspicious. What's so frustrating is that why are these kids still in their care? Exactly. Well, and then they found her guilty of abusing her children Mm -hmm. and she just gets probation Mm -hmm. and they get to stay there. Mm Mm-hmm. But they got removed from the aunt's care yeah, after. Yeah, because their mom babysat them. Their bi- biological mother. Babysat them while their aunt was at work. Yeah. It's not like the aunt was, like, going and partying yes. or something. Um, in 2009, the couple went to Connecticut to get married since same-sex marriage wasn't legal in every state. Mm-hmm. It was just, like, I just wanted to put that in perspective of how it seems like we haven't really gone that far since. I know. <laughs> but, like, it, it was just a little different. Jennifer was incredibly active on social media. She posted pictures that projected a loving, happy family. She often shared thoughts on race and politics. In addition, she would make long posts about her thoughts and feelings on raising a happy family and the challenges they faced in modern day. May I ask, because she, you said that she was like putting posts about like race and stuff. Were they, were Sarah and Jennifer white and they adopted black children? All black children, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So the family also often posted pictures and videos of them cross country um, going on adventures and they would go to a lot of festivals. So the family moved to West Lynn, Oregon in 2013, which um, this is a suburb of, of Portland. Okay. Um, they rented a house there. And I just really liked the side note. They raised uh, goats and chickens in their backyard. I don't know why. That just like, like made me happy. <laughs> they they don't seem like good people, but raising goats they and get chickens. They get to have some animals. <laughs> the Hearts became well-known members of the Nationwide Festival com- Fest <laughs> the, the Nationwide Festival Community, where the children were seen dancing and singing at events. Aww. Um, other attendees said that they looked like a happy family. However, multiple people began notifying DHS. One report said, and I quote, the kids pose and are made to look like one big happy family, but after the photo event, they go back to looking like lifeless. Another said that the kids acted like trained robots and they appeared scared to death of Jen. Oh my God. Multiple reports stated that the children looked underfed and small for their ages, which if you look up pictures, like, they were teenagers, and they're, like, tiny. Oh, my God. Investigators began checking in with family friends who had even more concerning reports. These reports stated that Jen ran the family like a boot camp, 
For example, the kids were forced to raise their hand before speaking. <gasps> no. They couldn't wish each other happy birthday. Are you? No. And they weren't allowed to laugh at the dinner Are table. Are you? <laughs> I'm sorry. It just gets me. It just gets worse. Um, one family friend stated, true kindness, love, and respect for the kids was largely absent. Oh, my God. Yeah. One family friend came forward to tell a story, which really gave a, a glimpse into the kids' daily life. Jennifer had ordered a, a pizza for six children. And two adults. Yes. No, she ordered a pizza for the kids. Oh, okay. Okay. But each kid was only allowed to have one small slice. Later, Jennifer noticed that the pizza was gone and punished the kids. For eating. For eating. How she punished the kids? By not feeding them breakfast and forcing them to lie in their beds for five hours. Oh, my God. Because they went and ate some more pizza. Right. And they're deprived of food. I mean, like, the punishment was not getting breakfast. Just an aside, family of Jennifer and Sarah stated that they distanced themselves, even though their family was, like, very accepting of their relationship. Um, Jennifer actually estranged herself from her dad back in 2001. And state reports said the couple ended up cutting off contact with relatives because of criticism about parenting. So, like, they completely distanced themselves from their family. I've said it once and I'll say it again. You can't criticize bad behavior. (laughs) Yeah, it's not criticizing. Um, All of these complaints led to the child welfare authorities to visit the hearts in August of 2013. Don't ask me why these kids weren't, like, immediately taken out of their care. They interviewed all of the family members, but the responses from the kids were all the same as they stressed that there was no abuse in the home and talked about how grateful they were about their situation. Was it, like, suspiciously similar, their responses? Yes, and the investigator noted that the kids showed little emotion in the animation. So they were just like, yes, we love it here. We're so grateful. We're not abused. Yeah. Yeah. Ew. Um, Whenever you hear a pause, it's because I'm making a terrified face. It's... It's horrible. These kids, like, don't come from a great background. And then they're they're just abused yes. and not... And they're not allowed to be children. Their biological moms were not given as many opportunities as this family. Or, well, I mean, like, Jennifer and Sarah. Mm-hmm. Like, they were allowed to make multiple mistakes. But, like, I'm not saying... I'm not trying to play down... Downplay substance abuse. But that's their biological mom. Yes. And then, like, don't even go give it to a fam- give them to a family member, and then give them to these two women who are like, there have been multiple reports and has been charged. Mm-hmm. So, during Jennifer's interview, she said that the issues the family faced was due to others not understanding their lifestyle. Unfortunately, the authorities couldn't find evidence to prove abuse or neglect. And the case was closed. So are they saying, like, their lifestyle, like, are they trying to use them being in a homosexual relationship, like, to their advantage? Is that what they're trying to do? Not only that, a homosexual relationship 
adopting, like having mm-hmm. a blended family and adopting children. Nice. Yeah. And I feel like at this time, maybe I'm wrong, but like at this time, I feel like people didn't really know how to approach this situation because they didn't want to be classified as like. I could see that. You know, mm-hmm. prejudice yes. in any way. So and I, especially if they are saying something to the people that are investigating it, they're like, like if they themselves are saying people are being prejudiced against us because we're two women just trying to provide yep. a better life for these mm-hmm. children. And they like, so what if they just happen to be black? Like if they're saying something like that, then yeah. the social worker or whoever is going to be like, no, 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 no. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's They knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. They knew to mm-hmm. say that. I would also like to state that the family received funds from the state of Texas, which is where they adopted the kids. It accounted for 50% of their family income. I thought that was weird. Because they adopted them? Because they adopted them, they, like, get funds they get, from the state. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, wow. that's why a well, lot of people get they're getting money children. per child, too. Yeah, a lot of... I'm not saying that there's bad, all bad foster parents but a lot of people will foster yes to get the kids money and then, yes and so like a lot of that's why you see a lot of people that are aren't in it for the right yes. reasons so do you remember the riots in ferguson missouri yes um in 2014 mm-hmm. okay so this was a huge moment for the hart family um in december the family attended a black lives movement protest in portland oregon and it's a it's a famous picture. The photographer captured this moment where Devante, who was 12 at the time, was hugging a police officer and crying. This picture became viral and is known as the hug felt around the world. I've, yeah, I've definitely Have seen, seen it. it? Uh, many people shared it on social media to show the example of unity after racially char- after the racially charged shooting. He's probably hugging that cop. I know. Crying. Saying, get me away from these horrible I women. Know. Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought about that. Because it's like, you know, you think you know what you're seeing and like how, you know, like a little black boy is hugging a police officer and like all of this stuff that's going on in America. But like what's really going down is him being abused and not knowing what to do. And just, I mean, like he's sobbing. Yes, in he picture. is. Yes. Oh, my God. I just got chills all over my body. It's just, like, so eerie. I'm looking at the picture again. Yes. Um, He is clinging. I have chills because he is clinging to this police officer. This isn't a little. I mean, like, I'm sure. I, I don't know how it is to be a person of color in America. But he looks like he, like, is in immediate danger. Yes. And wants help. Yes, he does. He looks like he's clinging to that police officer. Mm -hmm. Like, he does not want to be taken away from him. Yes. So, as this picture became famous, many TV shows reached out to have Devante as a guest. And you remember, like, Jen's very open on Facebook and everything. Um, But Jen actually refused him to go on these tv shows stating that she wanted to protect her son's privacy Mm -hmm. yeah after this jennifer took a hiatus from social media for six months oh there we go 
Now she does. Right. So I think this is a really good sign that she didn't want her son to go and say, like, please help yes. me. We're all being tortured. Yes. So then in the spring of 2017, the family moved to Woodland, Washington, and Jen posted on Facebook, quote, this year <laughs> slammed us hard. But, like, the emphasis yes. of, like, this was a really hard year. And it seems like they moved around at very suspicious times. Like, oh. just when things were, like, starting to get, mm-hmm. like, <clears throat> investigated a yes. little too much, they picked up and moved. Mm-hmm. I mean, they moved four or five times. Yes. Um, but anyways, their neighbors, Bruce and Dana DeKalb, noticed that the kids were rarely outside the house and that the blinds were usually kept closed. Ooh. Yeah. Which, like, innocent, I guess. I mean, I think it's weird that the kids were, weren't playing outside, especially if they're homeschooled. Like, how are they in the house all day? It's weird that there's both of those things together. It's one thing to have your blinds closed all the time. That's fine. But to have your blinds closed all the time and the children never go outside. Right. I remember listening to this on a podcast and I believe the kids used to like take the trash out to the curb Mm -hmm. And some neighbors would, like, try to come up and talk to them. And after that happened, they were not allowed to take the trash out to the curb. Like, they, like, got restricted from a lot of it. Yeah, it's gross. So, in August of the same year, Hannah, who was 15 at the time, jumped out of her second-story bedroom window at 1.30 a.m. She ran over to her neighbors, the DeKalb's house, frantic and asking for protection. She insisted that they needed to hide her hannah pleaded don't make me go back they're racist and they abuse me or they abuse us as they are talking with hannah they noticed her two front teeth are missing she's she's 15 right the hearts eventually come over i don't know how long how how much time passed but the hearts come over uh to the decalbs and I assume it's, like, when they go looking for Hannah. And they took her back home. The next morning, all of the family members went over to the DeKalb house, which I think is very weird. Yes. I, why are the other siblings being brought into this? Also, like, why is it anything else but, like, just the parents' job to go and talk to yes. them? Like, why, why does the whole family need to go over there? Jennifer tried to explain away the incident. She told Bruce and Dana that the kids were drug babies, which is why they acted out from time to time. She also stated that Hannah's mother was bipolar and her front teeth had been knocked out when she accidentally fell. Oh my god. Yeah. So Dana, being the the smart woman she is, was like, hey, can I talk to Hannah alone? Mm-hmm. And Jennifer refused, saying we do everything as a family. Hannah then handed a note to the DeKalbs, a handwritten note, where she apologized for her actions and said she lied so she could get attention. So she's forced to write a handwritten note. Yeah. After this weird encounter, Dana ended up calling her dad to talk about it, and her dad ended up reporting Sarah and Jennifer to the authorities. No follow-up action was taken. Are you serious? Yep. 
I'm also looking at pictures of the family while you're telling this, and she's 15, and I cannot find any picture of her where she looks 15. No, she they looks look like she is young. 10. Yep. They look very young. I mean, that picture of Devante hugging the police officer, yes. he's 12 in that. He does not look 12. He looks like he's there's the same so... age as my little brother. Yes, he looks so seven. malnourished. Yeah. So this would not be the last weird encounter that Dana and Bruce would have with the hearts. In March of 2018, so a year, a year after, sorry, I'm just checking my notes. Yeah, a year after the whole thing with Hannah happened, Bruce was in the front of his house working on his truck when he was approached by Devante. He was 16 years old at this time and he seemed really nervous he ended up asking Bruce if he could have something to eat, but he begged him not to tell his parents. Oh, my gosh. As Devante and Bruce were talking, Devante said his adoptive mothers withheld food as punishment and the kids were sometimes abused. So Bruce ended up giving him food a few times, and at one point, Devante gave Bruce a wish list of food. <gasps> And asked him to leave the items in a box by the fence so their parents wouldn't notice. Oh, my God. Which, this is so hard for me to research, but can you imagine trying to just, like, get your family food? Like, your siblings. siblings. Like, you're just... he's only 16. He's only 16, and he's begging a neighbor to get food for everyone. I mean, like... And, like, knowing that you have to get the food... From a box by the fence that your parents... So your parents don't see that you're eating. Eating. After being punished by getting food taken away. It's just... I hate... No one should ever have food taken away from them as a punishment. Yes. Yeah. I've had... There are teachers that I've heard say that they'll tell their kids that they're going to skip snack time as a punishment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. It's it's why a lot of people have eating disorders. Yes. Um, like getting rewarded by food is mm-hmm. why like you there's a lot of people that are overweight. Yes. They just I mean you have sometimes you just have a bad day and you want to get <laughs> Yeah, some and there's whiteies. nothing there's <laughs> nothing wrong with eating sweets, but because I know, our society, but oh I know. Well it's like that's how you <clears throat> celebrate everything, like going right. completely off tangent, but like you get done with your soccer tournament. The entire team goes out for pizza. Like, you get done oh, right. with something else, and your whole team goes and gets McDonald's. After this, the DeKalbs called CPS on March 23rd, 2018. The caseworker visited the Hart's home, but no one answered, so they left a card in the door and left. Which, like, call us back. <laughs> it's, well, it's not the a, cops. It's not a freaking package. That needs a signature. Sorry, that we you missed put, you. Put back. Like, these are kids that are not getting yes, food to the danger. point where they have begged their neighbors to get food and put it in a freaking box. It's like, I don't understand. No one's taking this seriously. <clears throat> no one's taking it seriously on top of it happening, mm-hmm. like, multiple times. Yes. So frustrating. On March 24th, the DeKalbs noticed that the Yukon was missing. It wasn't where it was usually parked, um, next door. On the same day, Sarah texted a co-worker at 3 a.m. saying that she was too sick to come to work. On March 26th, 
the caseworker visited the Hart's, sorry, visited the Hart's home, but no answer again. So I would just like to remind you that their car was found on yes. March 26th. In Fort Bragg, California, the morning of March 25th, Jennifer was seen at a grocery store and was caught on surveillance purchasing $20 worth of groceries. This place was a little over an hour away from where their car was found, which I saw a report that was like 25 minutes, but I like Googled it. It is over an hour away. Oh, weird. I don't know how far away it is from their house. I probably should have Googled that. So here we are back where the story started. The Yukon is upside down off of a cliff. Sarah and Jennifer were found dead in the car. Marcus, Jeremiah, and Abigail were found dead outside of the car. Authorities started a huge search since Devante, Hannah, and Sierra were still missing. Since the car was in the water for several hours, they were worried that the bodies had ended up in the water. On April 8th, two weeks after the crash, Sierra's body was recovered, and then in 2019, Hannah's remains were positively identified. Devante's body has never been found. The court ruled that he was in the vehicle at the time of the crash, and his death certificate was signed on April 3rd, 2018, which I think is really weird because Hannah's remains were found in 2019. Mm -hmm. That is strange. So before I get into the investigation... What do you think happened? I think that the moms drove them off a cliff. (laughs) Well, you're not wrong. So it sounds like it sounds like they knew that they were getting in trouble and they just were like, all right, time to be done. Drove them off a cliff. Murder or suicide. Yeah. Well, you're dead on. Nice. So not nice. That's horrible. Uh, During the investigation, the Yukon's internal airbag deploying computer was analyzed by an expert. So they can, like, plug in your car and tell exactly, like, what you did. Yeah. You know, it was determined that the SUV had been intentionally driven off the edge of the cliff. It was believed that they pulled off Highway 1 onto a, a gravel turnout and came to a full stop. Oh, God. This was 70 feet away from the cliffs. The SUV was then accelerated to 90 miles per hour without touching the brakes at all. And went straight off. Went straight off. Oh my god. I don't know how you have the balls to do that. Nope. How can your, like, instincts just, like, not... I don't don't understand. And the kids are all in the car, too. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um... The toxicology results revealed that Jennifer's um, blood alcohol content was over the legal limit at the time of the crash. I could not find what it was, Mm -hmm. so I don't know how high it was. But uh, Sarah, as well as two other children, had Benadryl in their system, which induces drowsiness. So I'm curious if the kids, I don't know why Sarah took it. But remember that Sarah called in to work at 3 a.m. saying she was sick. Mm -hmm. I don't know why it wasn't found in the other kids' systems. I don't know if they either didn't have it or they metabolized it too quickly. Yeah. I don't know. There was a search of the family's home where they found their two family dogs. 
They obtained a laptop and an iPad where Sarah made Google searches before the crash, including oh, the lethality of Benadryl, the nature of death by drowning, and a search for a no-kill shelter for dogs. <gasps> Which I think is weird that they still have the dogs in the house. Yeah, if they search up shelters. It sounds like she gave the kids, like, tried to give them a whole bunch of Benadryl so that they could fall asleep and then drown when they went off the cliff. Right, but Sarah took it too. And then She what? probably didn't want to be awake. I know, I wouldn't want to be either. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. Like, what if Jennifer, like, was like, this is what's going to happen? You know, because yeah. Sarah is the the passive one. I, yes. don't, I don't know. I don't I wonder... know if it was a joint or... I, w- I could see it being joint and Sarah being more reluctant about it and Jennifer telling her, like, well, you can take all this Benadryl and then you'll be almost right. dead by the time we go off the cliff anyways. Right. Um, a 14-member coroner's jury unanimously ruled the case a murder-suicide. There was an inquest called to determine the cause of death, um, but not any responsible... There was no responsibility in civil civil or criminal fields. Yeah, they're they dead. were all dead. Unfortunately, there's no. Yeah, there's no. They got the easy way out. There's mm-hmm. no justice. The incident report following the murders. Um, they did like okay, so they did a ton of reports from like friends and families mm-hmm. and coworkers after it. And Sarah had told a coworker that she wished somebody would have told her it was okay not to have a big family. Oh, my gosh. And then she and Jennifer would not have adopted children. Nice. Which I think it's very eerie that they have an education degree, an elementary education degree, and, like, still did this kind of stuff. I know. And I always tell people when people ask me, like, if I want to have kids, I always say, no, I don't like kids. Like, but that's a joke because I'm a teacher. (laughs) Right. Um, the county sheriff department uh, closed the case in 2019. Um, so, to this day, um, Devontae's body still Where did they find the other two girls? Were they found in the lake? It just says that their bodies I don't were know. recovered. They were recovered, yeah. So, do you remember the extra sibling from. Yeah. Okay, so his name is Dante Davis, which. Dante and Devante? Yeah. Okay. He was the oldest, which is also mm-hmm. very weird. Because they only wanted the little cute kids. Yeah. Um, so it's really, really sad um, what kids have to go through in foster care. Um, and a couple things actually came out from his situation. So when the state removed him and his siblings from his home in 2005... Dante ended up acting out violently. He was eight at the time. Mm-hmm. He, I don't know what you expect an eight-year-old to do. Um, he went on the path that advocates call foster care to prison pipeline. Oh, God. I know. It's horrible. So at his first foster home, he lashed out and threatened his younger brothers. And that's why, like, he was reported as having behavioral problems like that's all he did um the foster mom reported his eyes rolled back in his head when he was angry and then seven days later he was separated from his siblings and was placed in the psychiatric hospital oh my god um spending three weeks in the facility i would like to point out that that is just a sign of neurodivergence 
um because when they get uncomfortable a lot of times they can look up and so a lot of times people who don't have an understanding of it think that the child is being disrespectful but it's actually Mm -hmm. that they're so uncomfortable that they're just trying to look up so it could have been that he was just so upset that he was looking up so much that she could only see the whites of his eyes Mm -hmm. and so she demonized him and had him committed yep in the facility he was chemically restrained aka sedated Mm -hmm. by multiple times with shots that made him go unconscious and how old is he he was eight oh my god Mm -hmm. Then he was moved to an emergency shelter, and then he was placed in a therapeutic foster home for children with severe behavioral problems. He was reunited with his siblings in 2006 when he went to live with his aunt Priscilla. Then there was six months where he was with her, and then that was the surprise visit by the caseworker yes. where they were taken away. Days following the separation, 10-year-old Dante attempted suicide by strangling himself with a belt at his therapeutic oh foster home. I know. It's so heartbreaking. He received men- several mental health diagnoses, including bipolar disorder, ADHD, oppositional defiant disorder, and he was way overly medicated. Oh, my god! And I believe in the medication for mental health. Yes. But I want to point this out because it's very common in the American foster home system that these kids just get, they get over-medicated. Um, and they get, like, overly diagnosed with a ton of stuff. And then they're just, like, drugged up. Yes, there's zombies. Yeah. He ended up taking frustrations out on other kids. He got in fights. He wandered halls at school. He would leave class. He fell behind in school, which is very common for mm-hmm. foster ch- foster care children. I think this one will get you. He was reading at a fourth grade comprehension level in ninth oh my grade. Oh, God. He asked his caseworkers about his siblings every month oh my God. and begged to visit, requested phone, uh, photos, and asked to talk on the phone. He ended up blaming himself for the separation, and it, it's actually more than half of the U.S. foster children with siblings were separated from at least one of them at that time. I don't know oh my why. God. Since then, Texas had, has increased the amount of siblings placed together. I can't, I I still can't imagine that would even be an option that they wouldn't be. I know. So then Dante was placed in a foster care at 14 with Deborah Roberts. Um, She had a foster care for high-risk children. And she stated that his behavior wasn't extreme. Yeah. And that he misbehaved due to the hurt and pain of not being with his siblings. Nathaniel Davis, which is the mother's their mother's partner obtained custody custody of him at 16 but uh dante was already involved in gangs um and dante ended up being arrested in connection with robbery three years later and his son donye was born in while he was incarcerated mm-hmm. while he was incarcerated the the hearts ended up dying he was released from prison in 2018, October of 2018, where he found out, found out about his sibling's death. Oh, my God. He is quoted by saying, that was the last little hope I had in my life, you know. I had that hope that I was going to see my little brothers again. One day we was going to we gonna kick it. I used to cry sometimes thinking what we could be doing growing up. Oh, my God just horrible and just has completely lost them yep he never gave up on reuniting with his siblings um and just to let you know the 
when he last saw Devante, Jeremiah, and Sierra, they were four, two, and one, respectively. The children's rights filed a class action lawsuit against Texas in 2001. Um, I know I'm, like, jumping back and forth in time periods right now, but um, it was for the treatment of children who were in state's care long-term. The children were routinely moved around over-medicated and sexually and physically abused Mm -hmm. by caregivers and or foster children. In 2015, the judge ruled Texas violated those children's rights. The judge stated that the kids were more damaged than when they they entered Mm -hmm. state's care. They ordered reforms and then there was a reduction of caseworkers' caseloads. Then Congress passed the Family First Prevention Services Act which limited use of group care settings. It set standards for residential treatment centers to give to receive federal funding. So these weren't federally funded mm-hmm. before. And then they made money available for prevention services to keep kids with biological families. Good. So they try to keep them together. But no residential treatment centers have been able to meet the standards that were set in this act. Um, And the state applied for an extension until 2021. Oh, nice. Yeah. We see you, Texas. (laughs) Texas is just, like, not good. Yeah. He, um, I feel really bad for Dante because I can't imagine. I also feel bad for the biological parents. Like, I can't imagine getting my kids taken away from me and then the people doing it. Yes. Well, and, like... The mother knew, like, she had substance abuse and probably, hopefully, thought, like, okay, they're in a better home at least. Right. No. And then they get killed. They get killed, yeah. So, that's the story of the Hart family murders. It's really sad. I didn't even know there was another brother, too. I didn't know. I vaguely knew about this mm-hmm. when you talked about the car. But, yeah, I didn't know that they had another brother, too. That's horrible. And I think, I think s- there's so many points where they could have been pulled from yes. Jennifer and Sarah's custody, and none of this would happen. Absolutely. I mean, like each time, like they they got pulled out of school for a year, and then they got pulled mm-hmm. out of school for good, and then they started moving around, and it's just and just and so many people did try to help them too. That's horrible. Like yes. they had multiple teachers that tried to help them. They had the neighbors that tried to help them. They had the right. adoptive mother's family that tried to help them and tried to talk to the parents. Yep. And there's just no hope for them. Yeah, and I think blaming the kid's biological mom for them being drug babies or yeah, whatever of them I... acting out. I just thought that was like absolutely horrible. I like that. Um, so that one was a doozy. Yes. (laughs) Um, but I thought it was important to share because, one, I haven't heard about it a lot. And, like, I think... It's important to know that our foster care system sucks. (laughs) Sucks so bad. And, like, just, like, the... Being afraid to do something to a family who has, like, a very different... Like, the blended family. Yes. The two moms, whatever. But like, if this was a case with two heterosexual people, would they have been able to keep the kids yeah. in their care for that long? I wonder. I, I just think d- that they used homophobia to their advantage. Right. 
Yeah, and they, I mean, they even claimed, like, from when they were in a relationship in college about, like, how people, like, just didn't accept them, which mm-hmm. I'm sure they, I'm sure, like, that was a rough time. So I'm sure that they weren't accepted. Yes. But I think, I think they definitely. I think they milked it a little bit. Yeah. And I just feel so bad for those kids. I honestly, a piece of me really hopes that Devante somehow is alive and is ran alive. Away. I don't think that's the case. I don't think so, but but that picture, if if you're if you're by your phone and not driving, <clears throat> please go look up this picture. I, I mean, we'll post one. Yes, when this, I'll post that one when this case gets released. But oh my goodness, it's so chilling. It is. And for them to use that, like, to get... To get, uh, like, publicity for themselves. They were very proud of being a blended family Mm -hmm. with six children. And they were, like, had the hero complex of, like, saving these kids. Well, and then also, like, making it known that they saved black children, too. Drug babies, I like yeah, that. and well, and they're black drug babies. Mm-hmm. It's very white hero of them. Yes. Also, can you imagine being the fifteen-year-old girl that was in a foster? Yeah, like, was with them. She was probably so upset for so long, and then I was like, "Thank God, I'm not with them anymore." <laughs> yeah. So, that's oh, the story of the heart murder, family murders. Yeah, I know, I know. But thank you guys for listening. <laughs> Do you want a palate cleanser? Yes. Do I hear something funny that happened today? Yes. So I let one of my little boys bring in a little show and tell thing um, for morning meeting. So he brings in these crystals and like puts them under my document camera so everyone can see them. And it's super cute. Like one of my little girls raises her hand and goes, the purple one's amethyst. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Didn't know that. Um, but I'm standing getting their spelling test ready. And so one of my boys raises his hand and mm-hmm. I swear he says my grandpa has those and i was like oh cool and i was like okay it's time for your spelling test like let's go back to our seats and then he comes over to me and he goes it's not cool and i was like it's not cool that your grandpa has those and he goes i said my grandpa had a stroke (gasps) (laughs) oh my god melanie (laughs) okay grandpa alive yes okay but like to be on my side why would he raise his hand during show and tell to say my grandfather had a stroke? Okay, but like I remember being that young and being like, okay, there's a little I teach piece third of me. grade. I know. <laughs> they don't usually just like say no random things like only, that. Only in the morning when they're first coming in, that's when they try to like throw all of their stuff at me when they're like, I had soccer practice last night. We went to Denny's. <laughs> like, that's when it happens. But no, when a child is sharing crystals, they don't usually <laughs> raise their hand to say, My grandfather had a stroke. <laughs> oh my God. I did apologize profusely, but <laughs> whoopsies. Did you just sit with your jaw open? No, I was like, I'm so sorry, but is he okay? Is he home? And he's like, no, he's in the hospital. So I was like, I'm so sorry. I thought that you said your grandpa had those. I was like, I'm so sorry. That's not cool at all. That's very sad. I'm very sorry for you, hon. Let me know if you want to talk. (laughs) But he goes, but can you just imagine you raise your hand to tell your teacher, my grandfather had a stroke. And then your teacher goes, oh, cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's. 
Yeah. I feel like he might be traumatized. No, whoops. <laughs> um, my brain. Oh, I always do that. Like, I always bring up stuff and then it ends up being like, okay, so in college, I was like, Jim, that's such a stupid chain that you're wearing. And he was like, my dead grandfather gave this to me. And I was like, of course he did. Because I do that stuff all the time to the point where it's like, okay, like, why do I even do that? Why do you bring up anything anymore? I had a teacher in community college and I had a class with her prior and she lived with her mom and her mom was like a little older. Mm-hmm. So when I had my next class with her, I had like, I had gone into her office hours and I was like, oh my God, how's your mom doing? Like, I know like last time we talked and she's like, yeah, she died like a few months ago. <laughs> and I was like, so I will not be getting into her in this class. <laughs> well, so I do that kind of stuff all the time. Hopefully that professor at least like liked that you remembered her mom. Because I bet like she liked being able to talk about her mom, but. Ouch. <laughs> I, I seriously do this stuff all the time. But she went into work and was like, I'm not going to cry today. <laughs> and then you're like, how's your mom? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So. We smart cookies. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you for that story, Nicole. You're welcome. Go look at pictures. It's so creepy. Yes. We're going to post honey. So I, yes, I will definitely upload those. So make sure to be following us on Facebook. We are aesthetically displeasing on there. And on Instagram, we are Aesthetically Displeasing Pod. And then if you guys have comments about this case or a different case or have suggestions for new cases, you can email us at aestheticallydispleasingpod at gmail.com. All right, guys. See you next time. I guess talk to you next time. (laughs) See ya.